this is all about relationship because you can't even discover your own calling without being in relationship to see things about yeah. yourself that you can't see otherwise. Yeah. There are things you physically can't see. There are things that you, you know, emotionally can't see. That somebody else looking at you says, hey, do you realize you overreacted here or that you got excited over here or that you have a talent in this area? Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration, so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We are your hosts, Leo Sabo and David Thompson, and on this episode of Getting Money Right, we're continuing a multi-part series on investing. Over the last few episodes, we've covered investing basics. We talked about diversification, stocks, mutual funds, fees, risk tolerance, and how the news influences your investing decisions and the importance of staying on your own investment path. We also talked about the American retirement mindset versus true financial freedom. So today we're going to talk about uh, investing in yourself. Now that sounds funny because what we're actually going to do is help you to discover your identity your calling, your purpose. And if you know what you were created to do, then you can maximize the time, energy, and resources that you invest in the best possible way mm -hmm. to fulfill the things that you're called to. Yep. And so in a way, you're investing in yourself. But today, we want you to be self-aware, to identify what's inside of you, the talents, the skills you have, the passions, the calling, so that you can live a more rich and more fulfilled life. Right. So uh, today we're going to pull some content and ideas from the Identity Seminar, which is a seminar that I actually attended. It's actually called the ID Seminar. Mm -hmm. uh, I attended it many years ago. Right. It really helped me personally. Uh, I had the opportunity to go to teach it to over a thousand people in Taiwan, mm. uh, a couple hundred people in Japan. And then Leo, you and I taught it together Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Romania uh, a couple of years ago, and we shared it with a large group of people there. And so this is something that not only have we both personally experienced, right. but we've also turned around and taught two-day seminars on this to help people. And so the original content was written by Alan Kelsey and Brad Stahl. I recommend that you check out the book and the seminar. It's just called ID Seminar. If you go to Google, ID Seminar. And the tagline is identity reveals destiny. Now, the whole episode won't be pulled from that, but there will be excerpts that we pull and ideas and concepts that we pull mm -hmm. because it's impacted our lives. And we want to share it with you because if you know how you're created, what's inside of you, and you know your passions and you know your calling, then you can actually walk out your purpose. Mm -hmm. So, Leo, when somebody's starting this journey, uh, what do they need to start with Instead of just looking at themselves, what do they need? Well, David, I think first you need a mirror. You can't see all of yourself. You know, you could try looking at your back right now, but chances are without a mirror, you won't see anything, <laughs> yeah. right? I can't see the back of my body. You could try looking at your cheekbones, for instance, and you could try looking at your eyebrows, and you might be able to see some fuzzy hair on you, but you really can't see the full picture, right? You need something or someone outside of yourself to see yourself fully. And usually this is about relationship. If you're going to discover your identity and calling, having a mentor is tremendously helpful. They see things you don't, they've been to places you haven't, and they know more people than you do. 
So you can also have friends and family help you identify your talents and passions based on their observations and spending time with you. Yeah, I love this whole journey because we've talked about, you know, financial freedom. And really, at the end of the day, it's usually based on serving not only your family, but going outside of yourself. Right. This is all about relationship because you can't even discover your own calling without being in relationship to see things about yourself that you can't see otherwise. Yeah. There are things you physically can't see. There are things that you, you know, emotionally can't see. That mm-hmm. somebody else looking at you says, hey, do you realize you overreacted here or that you got excited over here or that you have a talent in this area? Mm-hmm. And so that's fun. Now, uh, I love interacting with people in this. I also think there's a great space for assessments and surveys. Yes. Uh, so you see this all over the place. There's Strengths Finder, which is my personal favorite. We'll yeah. talk about that today. Uh, there's Myers Briggs, which is very popular for a lot of people. Uh, there's the four temperaments. You know, it's your four personality types. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a very popular one, like DISC and uh, a few other pieces to that. There's the spiritual gifts assessment. Right. Uh, if you're involved in a church or you're a believer in Christ, there is a spiritual gifts component to this as well. Yep. And so uh, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of great assessments out there. Um, I don't think that one is the end-all be-all. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that today we're going to talk a little bit about the Strengths Finder assessment because... It gives you a list of 34 talent themes to draw from. Now, it's going to give you, if you take the test, it'll give you your top five talents, or they call them strengths, Mm because they want you to take that talent and turn it into a strength. Right. So they'll give you your top five strengths, um, but it's out of 34. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, I, I've recently taken the four temperaments test and it's, you know, are you choleric or are you melancholy or sanguine? And, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen that, but it only gives you four options at the end. Right. And that really lumps a lot of people into four buckets. Yeah. Uh, I think we're way more unique than that. Sure. And so that is why I love these 34 talents that are out there and it gives you your top five. But if you were to just try to find one person on the earth with your same top five strengths in the same order in the same order it would be one in 33 million people that's remarkable that's crazy i mean that's like 212 people on the planet or something i mean Mm -hmm. there's just so few people that would have your top five strengths so that's how unique you are and that's why I love this assessment, because it's going to show you something that is unique to you, mm-hmm. and you're going to be able to explore that in a unique way. If you were to look at the top six strengths, not mm-hmm. top five, but just add one more, it's one in 23 billion people. Mm. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a lot. If there's 7 billion people on the planet, that means that there literally isn't a single person. It's going to be your same top six in the same order. Right. Leo, what happens if you take it to eight? (laughs) So if you take it to eight, it's one in 700 billion people in the world will have the same eight strengths as you would. And what's interesting about that is imagine right now we have about seven some billion people on the earth. So it would require 100 earths to find (laughs) find one other person that's just like you. Yeah. That's, That's just at the top eight. Now, if you went to the 34, I don't know how many yeah. billions or trillions of pe- people would have We're not that good at math, Leo. No. But, but the, <laughs> po- the point of this is that this study was done over a 40-year period. Mm-hmm. And as it was done, it was laid out in such a way that it showed the uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And part of this ID seminar that we've been part of and that we've experienced some of this teaching is that it actually goes into how unique we are made as human beings. And I think that's important because something that occurred to me as we were talking just a minute ago, David, is that... 
you said that even with finding who you are, you need other people to help you see yourself mm-hmm, for who you are. Mm-hmm. And that just speaks to the, how interconnected we are, right? Yes. Our whole desire is for you to live a life that's of purpose, that you're investing in others, because that's where you'll find true joy and fulfillment by really being focused on others and being intentional about pursuing those things that you're gifted to do because other people need those things. Mm-hmm. And you need the things that other people have. So I love this the way we are created, that we're so interconnected and so need each other mm-hmm. in so many ways. And it's a good thing. Yeah. Because together we're so much better than apart or by ourselves. Yeah. The great thing about this assessment is that it gives you your top five strengths. Now you can pay a little extra and get all 34 and see them in order from, you know, highest contributor, lowest contributor in your right. life. Right. Um, but the good news is that no matter what your makeup of strengths from this assessment you can do any job, any position, any role, right. knowing your strengths from this assessment actually more so speaks to how you will do the job, mm-hmm. how you will serve people in this area. So, you know, this doesn't disqualify you from pursuing a certain role in a company or pursuing a certain organization or pursuing a certain calling in life. It just shows you and reveals to you the way that you'll go about achieving Mm -hmm. that goal. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my top five strengths is I will go about it in the way of winning others over. That's my number one. I want to help engage and win people over to ideas. I want to do it with a positive attitude. I Mm want to bring a smile. I want to bring joy. I want there to be a a fun atmosphere where I go to serve people. Uh, Three is maximizer for me. Mm. I want to take something good and yeah. I want to make it great. Yeah, that's, uh, that defines you to a T. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and I don't love to start from scratch at zero. I like to start from something that's already working, but okay, yeah. I can see this, but how do I make this amazing? Better. Yeah. And then use it to influence people, right? And then input, I love to gather data and information. This is the input strength. I like to collect and archive uh, all sorts of content and information. And that's part of what makes this podcast work. We both do this. Yes. We both have input. Yes, we do. But we collect and archive and we have years of financial information and coaching experiences mm-hmm. and classroom teaching and conference speaking right. and leadership development. I mean, just years of stuff that we have that we have set up into different categories so that when we go to sit down and do this podcast, Leo, we're drawing from that repertoire of right. knowledge. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and then finally, for me, empathy. Uh, I, I feel the pain that somebody else is in. Now, I, I have healthy boundaries. I know how to turn that off. Uh, maybe, for, maybe that's not the right way to say it, but I know how to not put myself in their shoes. Mm-hmm. But I can actually feel, I empathize. Yes. It, it's yes. not just a, I'm sympathetic to your situation. If I allow it, I can feel their pain. I can feel the heart. I can feel what's going on in their head. And that causes me to want to to help them change, to win them over to a good idea, to change potentially my life if I need to do something different to help Mm -hmm. heal someone. And so that is how I will go about doing something. Leo, what are your strengths and how would you go about doing it? What's interesting about mine is that I didn't know these until I was probably in my early 40s. Sure. But yet, when when I learned what they were, it was like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's exactly there me. So go. my number one strength is restorative. And restorative means that I like to take things that are broken, things that are not operating at their best, and make them better. Now, think about my past uh, work life and, mm-hmm. and what I'm interested in. 
I love to restore things. I love to fix things. I have a 1979 Corvette that I've been restoring for years. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to be an aircraft mechanic. So for me, I kind of gravitated. And that's why you said you can use these strengths in anything that you do. So I used to be an aircraft mechanic, and I love the idea of taking something that wasn't working and operating and bringing it back to its full potential. And I do the same thing with people. When I stepped into ministry, a friend of mine asked me if I would, literally a friend of mine asked me if I would make a list of my job responsibilities and duties as a mechanic, and then my job and responsibilities as a stewardship pastor. And I just put him side by side, and I didn't know why she was asking me, but she said, mm-hmm. I really am interested in knowing this. So I gave him to her, and then she wrote back a script, and she said, I can see how these two line up. And it just took this person to help me to see something that was very, very clear, which is in the same way that I would fix an engine, an electric system, a seat on an airplane, whatever it was, in the same way I go about the same process Mm. to help people with whatever they need. So if somebody needs a car repaired, I'm going to help them the same way. I'm going to say what needs to happen. I'm going to do the the research. I'm going to get the information, and I'm going to apply that in order to restore and to bring that back into the best state that it can be. And when it comes to financial coaching and helping people with their finances, see, I learned from doing it the wrong way, and then by doing it the right way, I recognized just the benefit that I had, and I thought, I need to share this with other people. So my desire to restore people and the way I was restored in this area was just tremendous. That's why the passion grew so much to the point where I'm like, I want to do this full time. So I was using that strength from the moment I was born, and I still use it today. The second one is harmony. I like to bring things, again, this kind of plays with restorative a little bit because I can bring things into harmony, both from a practical sense and a physical sense, but also when it comes to relationships. I'm a peacemaker. I like to bring people together and have everybody cooperate and do things together. So that's a very, very strong strength for me. This was huge when you were leading the team that I was on, and Leo, you were my manager at the the church, Mm -hmm. and I had empathy where I could feel individual people's pain points, and I could see individual people hurting, and I could help bring healing there, but you could feel it for the whole team. When Mm -hmm. the team wasn't in unity, when there was something that wasn't completely harmonious about mm-hmm. the actions, the yep. things we were doing, you saw it for the whole team. I saw it more for the individual, but you were like, mm, something's out of alignment. And yep. you would bring the team together and you would help us go through crucial conversations, mm-hmm. uh, healthy, healthy conversations to walk out things that we might be uncomfortable with and say, how do we deal with and address these issues? Yep. And that was really cool. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think it was just something that I, like you said, I sensed it. And I thought, if we're going to operate to our best, we need to make sure that whatever's not being spoken, whatever is there, that it could just be brought into a healthy conversation so we can all be better. And that was really the intent. And it goes back to restorative. I wanted to restore or bring the team to its full potential. So love that. Another one for me, number three, is re- responsibility. This is really high for me. And it kind of gets me in trouble because I tend to overcommit and I feel a uh, a literally a psychological ownership of everything that I take on. So I'm very hard on myself. If I miss an appointment or I, I miss, like, gosh, if I miss an appointment because I don't put it on my calendar and somebody's waiting at a restaurant for me, I feel horrible because it's like, <laughs> I'll let this person down. And I want to make it right. So responsibility is important. We need to have people who are going to do what they say they're going to do, 
but just realize that it can also be a negative thing if you allow it to become where you're just too hard on yourself because everybody's going to make mistakes. Sure. So I've learned to give myself some grace and people have been very wonderful to also give me grace. So it's given me that ability to grow there. I also have input as number four and then learner as number five. Hmm. And like you said, input you covered is just gathering information. And then learner is different because it's not just about being a learner for myself. I learn with the purpose of becoming an expert and teaching others. Yeah. This is why I do what I do. Sounds like you should have a podcast, Leo. (laughs) Maybe, maybe. So anyway, those are my top five. Yeah. And the input likes to go deep into certain subjects, but the learner will learn about anything Mm -hmm. and then turn around and share that information with someone else. And so to have both input and learner, Leo is one of the wisest people that I know because he is filled with great information and content and a heart to share that. So what I want to reemphasize, we got to share a little bit of our talents and strengths, but having one of these talents doesn't mean that you can do a certain job or you can't do a certain job. Right. Uh, Leo and I actually both did the same job at the church, but from two different ways, mm-hmm. right? And so we even both held leadership positions in the church and, and still do today in different areas. But it wasn't like a physical talent where, oh, if you don't have eye-hand coordination, you can't play basketball. Uh, it's like, oh, well, if you don't have empathy, you can't be a pastor. Mm. You can still serve people, but it won't be empathy that guides the way you serve them. Right. Uh, it may be strategic. It may be futuristic. It may be rearranging uh, with the arranger strength. Yeah. So anyway, I love this because it's really bent more on your personal bent, your personality, your natural characteristics. And so when you take these assessments, remember that this is a mirror that shows you something that you couldn't see otherwise. And mm-hmm. when Leo took that test, he said it, it made perfect sense. Yeah. And it gave him new language to articulate and communicate to others how he's wired, what he was made to do. And that is one clue on your way to discovering your purpose and your calling is to discover how you're uniquely and naturally gifted. Now, Whenever you do one of these assessments or you work with somebody in a relationship, you have to answer honestly, yeah. and then you've got to dig in and learn what the results mean. Yeah. If you lie to the test, the test will lie to you, yes, right? You can, you can game the system. Um, now, many people try to discover themselves and pursue their calling, but they end up following somebody else's dream. Mm. Uh, and I've actually seen people go all out and try to build somebody else's business right. or try to fulfill somebody else's calling. And so, um, Leo, I-, I think you've put together a list of just what are some of the things that people have come and said, you know, the reason that I pursued somebody else's dream instead of pursuing my own uh, was this. What mm-hmm. are some of the things that we see there? I think sometimes is that your dream may not be clear. You mm-hmm. know, if the dream's not clear, you're, you're trying to figure it out, so you might be pursuing someone else's. And it's always good to look at other people for inspiration and for guidance, but then you have to return back to who are you called mm-hmm. to be? What are you called to do? Because you cannot pursue someone else's dream. It has to be individual because you are unique in your own way. It was also easier to follow someone else's dream. That's yeah, another. easier, right? Yeah, <laughs> like they've already started yeah, the path. They like showed me the path. Them. It's easier right. to do it. I was not sure how to achieve my own dream. People don't know sometimes how to even start or what that dream is. Mm -hmm. I was afraid to try following my dream. Fear can stop us from doing the very thing we're called to do because most of the time it's not easy. Yeah, It's not easy. Stepping into a role that you don't understand, but you feel a passion and desire to do. I'm going to tell you, when I step into the role of a pastor from a mechanic, 
I felt totally ill-equipped for the position. Yeah. And I did not feel worthy to be able to stand before people that are older than me, more seasoned than me, more experienced or more mature than me, and give them counsel. Yeah. I felt so intimidated by that. But yet, I know that I was called to do that, and I know I had the right skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, But it took some time. So mm-hmm. sometimes we're just afraid to follow that dream or mm-hmm. that calling. And then last, you know, you can feel a pressure by the expectation of others, your relatives, your friends. Yeah. And that sometimes leads you to not pursue your own dream. Yeah. I think this is just something that you need to be aware of that as you're going through your life, uh, if you're unclear of your own dream, you may end up just drifting towards following somebody else's mm-hmm. or pursuing their goals in life. And we see this on Instagram and social media and yeah. Facebook where people are actively pursuing someone else's lifestyle, actively pursuing somebody else's you know dreams. And, and if it's not what you were created to do, you're only going to waste your time, waste your energy mm. and feel completely unfulfilled. Because what if you get there yeah. and you realize I've spent 20 years of my life pursuing something that's not thing. really who I am. Yeah. Uh, now, on the flip side, as you are learning from somebody who's pursuing their calling, you may pick up some skills and some talents and maybe not talents, but skills and education on your journey that can help you. Uh, I learned a lot from leaders like Larry Burkett mm-hmm. and Dave Ramsey uh, and Howard Dayton and Ron Blue. And, and I've listened to tons of other great podcasters in the world on personal finances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, Clark Howard, again, Dave Ramsey, Joshua Sheets. Uh, yeah, I've listened to other people and learned from them, but I didn't try to become them. Right. And so I've learned, I've even followed and volunteered in some of those organizations, not in the organization, but to help some people go through those guys' programs. Mm -hmm. And it was something I learned from. But at the end of the day, I knew that wasn't exactly my calling. So I want to figure out what it is I was uniquely created to do. And so part of that is those strengths. We're going to look at some more of these pieces in a second. Um, Now, as we're going through this and you're thinking, okay, um, you know, I don't know that I really need, you know, to, to figure out this ideal scenario. Like, how do I know that this is actually something I need to pursue? Mm. That I need to pursue mm. a special calling? Well, here's a few questions for you. Um, does your job satisfy you less than it once did? Mm. If you feel less satisfied in your job, there may be something pulling you to a greater calling and purpose. Right. Um, are you less satisfied with your possessions? Yeah. Where you're looking around at your big house or your nice car or fill in the blank and you're like, man, I thought this is what I wanted, mm-hmm. but really there's something else. Yeah. And you don't even know how to articulate it, but you know there's something more. Uh, are you willing to give up your current success for a little bit more control of your own life? It's mm, a good one. To pursue what you're called to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen people reach incredible levels of success and they get there and they think, I would actually give this up just to give myself more time at home with my family, yeah. to be able to do the things that I actually love to do. I have to do these other things that I don't love and I look great on paper, but I don't get to do what I do love. Mm. Um, you'll see people that have filled the void and escaped the pain with hunger, uh, with drugs. And I say hunger with, with food, you know, like they, they've allowed an unnatural appetite to grow up with drugs, alcohol, entertainment. If you find yourself escaping, mm. you know, through some avenue, then there may actually be something underneath that. That is that you're not fulfilling your calling. And so you're trying to fulfill that hole with other objects and items and, and idols is a word I would use. Mm-hmm. Um, are you currently looking for a new job or always trying to find new direction in your life? Uh, do you envy people who seem to have done something meaningful for their life? 
if you answer yes to these questions, um, it's time for you to start looking at yourself, at your talents, mm-hmm. at the calling that you've got and begin to chase this down. And so that's a little bit of what this episode is to do. Uh, if you don't find your purpose, then you will end up just fulfilling or pursuing other things that will not truly fulfill you and will probably end up damaging you and take you down the wrong path. I agree. So once you've identified your talents, your gifts, and your strengths, then you want to look for your passion. Your passion is always going to rise up, and that's usually what leads you to recognize that there's something more, that you're not where you need to be. When I started pursuing teaching others how to manage money, I began to be fulfilled, and that passion continued to grow. And my desire to get better at it was to see better results. And the better results was that I would see a couple that were struggling financially, literally at the end of their rope, see freedom and be able to to see, literally physically see them happier, more fulfilled. And just get that testimony of, man, we were here and now we're here. And to me, that was almost like a high I would experience. I would see this life transformed but that's the passion that drove me. So think about what bothers you most in the world. Look at the news. Go to a movie or read the paper. Watch the world around you like a detective or a scientist. If you feel your heart pounding about that issue, take notice. You may have found your passion. You know, places where you have a special intolerance for the status quo concerning the idea of or issue you're looking at, those are things that should get your attention. Yeah, yeah. I think of it when I'm at home and I'm eating a bowl of popcorn and I'm flipping <laughs> through the TV, you know, looking at different channels. And I don't actually do that anymore because we don't have an actual, you know, television antenna that we set up and click through the normal channels. But this is what I picture in my mind. You're watching something and it comes up on the news and you've got that bowl of popcorn in your hands and you just want to throw it in the air. And you're like, what? Yeah. I can't believe this is happening in the world today. Yeah. And you stand up out of your chair, you throw that bowl of popcorn in the air, and you're like, somebody's got to do something about this. Yeah. And it's not just somebody has to do something about this, mm-hmm. but something raises up inside of you where you say, I have to do something about right. this. Right. I-, I see people hurting financially. I can't let that continue on without me doing something about it. I see people, I see kids going hungry in another country. Mm. I can't just sit here anymore and let that happen. Uh, I see people that are being actively trafficked for their body in another Mm. country, or Mm. even in this country. I mean, there are people, slave, uh, sex trafficking, and even slavery does exist today. And so these are things that you might see that, and there may be something that wells up inside of you. When your heart starts pounding, and when you you can't fall asleep that night because you feel like you need to be doing something, yeah. you may have identified a mm. real passion. Yeah. Uh, now, if you fall back to sleep and and you know you don't think about it for the next two weeks, then it probably was just like a, a you know an interest and it came to. But but we're looking for that real passion, mm. something that goes beyond your hobbies. And and we have we all have hobbies that we're passionate about that we're yeah. personally interested yeah. in things that we do for enjoyment mm-hmm. that provide a temporary high or just a temporary enjoyment um, and usually hobbies are a little bit more self-focused right and that's not a bad thing I mean mm-hmm. it's it's to refresh uh, it's to restore yourself it's to relax it's for your internal health but a real passion usually ends up focused on others yeah uh, it, it's how can I serve people uh, it has typically a long-term impact on the world or a person's life, or maybe a person's family and their generations uh, of their family. It gives you a sense of fulfillment and lasting joy when you're operating in your real purpose. 
And it's a place where you can envision the future and you don't mind if it takes time and hard work to get there right? because you're passionate about the mission. Exactly. You end up working a little bit harder, a little bit later, a little bit more energy, giving your all because you care about it. And so this is what we want to search for. Uh, now, it's interesting because as we search, there are a lot of things mm-hmm. that we'll try to get in the way. Yeah, absolutely. There's what we call data smog. You cannot be distracted by that because there's a lot of information out there. So you have to boil it down to just a few things that you're focusing on. But think of this. In the 1970s, the average person was exposed to 350 messages per day. By the year 2000, that number climbed to 3,000 and has continued to increase rapidly. Not only has the number of messages gotten bigger, but due to the competition for our minds and the new mediums available, the message has become bolder, more dramatic, and more complex in order to capture our attention. And according to one study, the average home in the U.S. receives 11.25 hours of some media each day. That's over 11 hours of messages we invite into our home when we should be at home, a place where we recover and we're getting restored, and we get rest. I love that concept of data smog, mm-hmm. um, and and this is something that somebody else came up with. We're just surrounded with ideas and messaging and branding and and YouTube videos and uh, newspaper articles yeah. and billboards, and you've got to intentionally invest in the things that you're passionate about that line up with your calling that line up with your strengths. And so if you begin to set time aside, Mm -hmm. then you can actually pursue this instead of just, you know, unintentionally walking through your day, letting everybody else's message hit you. Yeah. You can intentionally choose which messages you're going to receive. And so the first step is to set time aside to pursue your calling. Yes. You've got to put something on the calendar, 30 minutes a day, Mm -hmm. uh, two hours a week, Uh, four hours a weekend. I don't know what it is. Uh, For me, when I began to realize this passion, and for me, it was the kind of throw the bowl of popcorn in the air moment where something just sparked in my heart. Everyone needs to understand these principles on finances. And for me, it was what the Bible says about finances, Mm -hmm. which is where the book Jesus on money came from, because I was blown away about how much the Bible says about money and possessions. And so uh, something just lit on fire inside of me. And so I started to serve at the church and set aside two hours an evening every Mm -hmm. Tuesday night. And maybe it was three hours because you show up an hour early, you help people for an hour and a half, and you clean up for half an hour, right? And prep time and all that. And prep time. Sure. And then I was more passionate, and so I set aside time to read a book. Mm-hmm. And then I was more passionate. And so I set aside time to go to a seminar or a yep. conference. Yep. You've got to set aside time to pursue your calling. So this won't happen just by not doing anything specific. It's not just going to one day dawn on you and then you're just going to become aware and just fall into it. It's something that you have to pursue. It's time you have to invest, but it is something that's going to uh, grow as you do it. I believe that as you do it, you'll experience that that fulfillment and that that passion continues to grow to the point where it just becomes more real to you that I need to do more of this. And it may mean that you have to transition from what you're doing as a job or as a vocation to a calling. Or it may be that you do it on the side while you still do your job. You can pursue these kind of things and still have your engineering job or whatever. I was doing that for many years before I stepped into ministry. And I know many volunteers that I oversaw that had their career, their job that they were very good at and felt fulfilled in, 
but they also wanted to help in this aspect. So we're all called to different levels of service in different seasons of life, but it does take intentionality. Step two is identifying the talents that you have that need to become strengths. Talent is a natural recurring pattern of thought or feeling or a behavior that we can apply productively. You know, we put it to good use. A talent is a potential strength, but you have to build it. You have to work at it. You have to increase it. Yeah, it starts out as a talent, mm -hmm. but as you grow it, it turns into a strength right. that has the ability to impact the world. Mm. Uh, when you're really, really operating in a strength, people notice. Yes. Uh, so once you've identified your talents, you've put time on the calendar, step three is to identify the knowledge that you need. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to follow through and do specific things in this world, you have to have a knowledge base. Yeah. Uh, that's where the input and the learner has come in very handy for Leo and I. Those are things that are passionate for us is to absorb knowledge. But you have to know where you are. You have to know what you're pursuing. And, you know, this may just be pure facts that you need to, you know, obtain through an education like going to school. Uh, but it's also how you make sense of what you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost how you organize it and the pattern. And so you gain this over time by experience. Yes. And so there are things that, you know, you might need certain facts, but you may need to just experience things. Um, spend a, a year volunteering, a year serving, uh, a year pursuing an accreditation mm -hmm. uh, around good mentors and leaders and the thing that you're passionate about. So identify the knowledge that you need and then begin to continue to pursue it. Yeah. You also have to look at what skills are required. And skills is that ability to perform the basic steps of an activity. So skills deal with how you do your task. Once you've gained a skill for something, you know how to do it and you can excel at it. And skill is a is something that you have to work at. It's not something that comes natural. It's something that you have to work and build and increase over time. So it's definitely something that you need to understand it and what's required and then get to work and get it done. Yeah, you could be naturally talented as an athlete, but you never learn the skills of dribbling the ball mm -hmm. or shooting. Yeah. And you're completely pointless on the court because yeah. you may be naturally athletic, but you never learn the skills you need. So there's well, a talent and there's a skill. Yeah, and I think it's a difference between exceptional players and those that are just average because those who have the talent, so both may have the talent, but one takes it to the level where it's a Tiger Woods, where he's on the green mm -hmm. eight hours a day mm -hmm. using uh, his talent to build his skill to the point where he can direct that ball everywhere, anytime he wants, anywhere he wants it to go. And that's the difference between being talented but also adding skill to it. Yep. And then as you begin this journey, you really kind of want to set some goals and figure out how much experience is required mm -hmm. to really feel like you're actually making a real difference in the area that you're passionate about. Right. To where you feel fulfilled daily as you look to serve people in this area. For some people, it may take a few years mm -hmm. to become good at the thing that is your calling. Uh, if you're If you're called to be a doctor, medically speaking, it <laughs> takes at least eight years. Yeah. Uh, and that's, you know, baseline medical school, you know, residency. Uh, but to be a great doctor probably takes 15, 20 years just yeah. to have all the knowledge and information. So realize that you might not be at the optimum fulfillment of your, you know, specialty or your calling uh, for a couple of years. And that's okay. 
Yeah. It's okay for you to learn and to grow and to serve people along the way. Uh, it's great to maybe measure this in success stories of people that you've helped yeah. and capture, I call them testimonies or somebody kind of testifies of the things uh, that have improved in their life based on how you serve them or how you impacted them. Uh, and it's not about you. It's about the fact that you were able to serve someone else. Uh, and then finally, maybe it's just a position in an industry where you feel like you're called, this is like for me, um, I really feel like I was called to serve people at the church and in the area of finances and mm -hmm. now in discipleship. And for me, when I got to be on staff officially and I was given the title of pastor, which I had that same experience you did, Leo, where it was kind of like, oh my gosh, yeah. I don't know that I'm worthy to have this title. Like, yeah. who am I to, to, to carry this mantle and serve people in this way? But that was a major moment for me to transition from a full-time career in the, you know, insurance and expert field of forensic engineering to a full-time ministry position. To me, that was almost like a, a retirement moment or mm -hmm. a, a rehirement moment yeah, where good. I no longer felt like I was pursuing, you know, money and finances and, and you know, security position area and, and position. It was like, okay, I'm at the place now where as I walk out my day-to-day -day life, I feel like I'm walking in that calling. Yeah. And so and so identify that. Set those goals for yourself. And and it may take time, and that's okay. The important thing is that you're starting. And as you start, as you activate your talents, as you activate your gifts, um, as you begin to move in this, you're going to see fruit. You're going to see movement mm -hmm. and good things mm -hmm. in your life. Yeah, it's excellent. The last thing that we can say is just some ideas for some free education that might help you to further identify, but also to engage in this calling. And that's, as David said, volunteering. Maybe you do an apprenticeship. We had several people that would serve on our staff for three to six months as an intern. And one of those individuals actually ended up coming on staff, and he's on staff now mm -hmm. as a pastor. Mm -hmm. So there's no better way for you to try to see if this is for you than to actually go there, invest the time, actually do the job. No, you may not get paid for it. Maybe you'll get a small stipend, but ultimately you get to try it out, to test it out and see if it's going to work. And if it does, it's going to give you that ability to say, now I know for sure this is what I'm called to do. And you have more confidence stepping into it. So apprenticeship is a good idea and internship is a good idea. And also following uh, leaders in that space. You know, as David said, both of us have engaged in learning about finances, not just from reading our own stuff or what we're thinking, but actually engaging other leaders. Mm -hmm. I listened to Dave Ramsey for years. I listened to Larry Biquette way before that. Mm -hmm. And I've read tons of books on, on this topic. And of course, I've read the scripture many times from front to back and with this emphasis of what does it say about money and possessions? And so it's constantly being exposed to information and to other leaders that are in that space because it will help you to be better at that, uh, at that job or at that calling that, that you have. And last, maybe networking. You know, Come together with other people that are like-minded. We as stewardship leaders, um, we have a thing called Christian Stewardship Network. And this is a, a group of pastors that come together once a year and then throughout the year stay connected relationally in order to help each other in this ministry, to help build it, because it's still fairly new. And we all need help, and we all need to understand what works, what doesn't, best practices, and all of that. So network with other people that are in that space that you're thinking, this is maybe where I'm being called to you know, really invest my life. Well, we want to thank you for joining us for this episode, and I hope that it's been a great help to you. I hope that this gives you some ideas of ways that you can invest 
in your own purpose and calling, either through education, through discovering your talents, your spiritual gifts, uh, looking at your unique personality characteristics, your passions. I hope it's inspired you to go pursue some of these things. I hope that you'll share this with somebody. Uh, Take this episode, and maybe it's somebody that you're mentoring or you're influencing, and you want them to understand the importance of their calling and their purpose. Mm. Uh, Maybe it's a friend that has struggled to, to get moving in life, and you're like, hey, check this thing out because every single person is uniquely created. Every single person. We talked about one in 700 billion Mm -hmm. just based on your top eight strengths in order. That's one in a hundred earths. It's impossible to find someone like you and like every single person on this planet. We are so unique. And there are things that if if this person doesn't stand up and do what they're called to do, Mm. I'll never be able to do those things. And so the world hurts when people don't stand up to do what they're created to do. So share this episode with somebody, uh, put it on social media. I've actually seen a lot of people sharing our episodes on Facebook and on Instagram and a few different other platforms. Uh, You'll see me putting stuff out on LinkedIn. So you can follow us there. David Thompson, Leo Sabo. Uh, You can Google it. You can go to our website, leosabo.com is where Leo's got all his great resources. If you were interested when they talked about the Christian Stewardship Network mm-hmm. and you're interested in finances from a stewardship and Christian perspective, yep. wow, this is over a hundred plus pastors yeah. that help people in personal finances from a biblical perspective, uh, help people in their careers, help people in their calling, help people uh, in their budgeting, in their debt reduction, and having a full purpose uh, mindset. Uh, It's really, it's a cool, cool Mm -hmm. environment. Go check it out. Over a hundred people are getting together and and more than that, but just great leaders from around the world, from Australia, from the UK. Uh, It's just, it's a fun, fun place to be. So come to the Christian Stewardship Network. You can go to Google. We'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, You can check out stewardshippastors.com and the book, Jesus on Money. There's a lot of great resources out there, and we just love that you spend time with us. We love being here with you. I hope that you'll share this with somebody else, and we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we we can can keep keep getting getting money money right. Our whole desire is for you to live a life that's of purpose, that you're investing in others because that's where you'll find true joy and fulfillment by really being focused on others and being intentional about pursuing those things that you're gifted to do because other people need those things.